Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. in your neck, 
Notice the angle of your head and whether your teeth are together or slightly apart. Feel the texture of your clothing on your skin. Notice the temperature of your body. Sense the weight of your legs and your arms. Your head. Sense the weight of your whole body. Notice how still your body is. And how calm you are. Be present to your body here in this place. For a few more moments, rest. to start us off for the day, to just be very, very present, to be here, to be now. Maybe one of the gifts from the pandemic, to slow us down, to get us a little bit more introspective and present. Life is changing and we are changing with it. It's not that situations outside make us change. I think sometimes the soul inside is asking for a change and then it manifests the outside situation if we really want to get down to the real deal. And sometimes we're on a particular path in life and it was great and it's what it was and then something starts to occur privately in our minds. It says there's another way. Rabbi Moshe Gersht is a sought-out spiritual teacher in Jerusalem and I hope I didn't mess up your name. And he's also a Wall Street Journal best-selling author, a student of the Torah, Kabbalah, Chesibertus. He shared ancient mystical and philosophical wisdom in a way that is practical, relatable, and enjoyable. For nearly a decade, Moshe toured the States as a singer and songwriter for a popular Los Angeles-based rock band. After having a spiritual awakening, he chose to pursue a life of truth and meaning, a completely different stage. Today, he seamlessly connects and expresses fundamental spiritual ideas with universal principles of psychology, spirituality, and self-development. He recently released his national bestseller book, It's All the Same to Me, A Torah Guide to Inner Peace and Love of Life, which has garnered the attention of many other spiritual leaders, including our friend Deepak Chopra, Rabbi Manis Friedman, among the few. Today, it gives me great pleasure to welcome Rabbi Gersh on the air. So please tell me, how do I pronounce your name? Hi, Sister Jenna. My name is Moshe. Moshe. Okay. So thank you so much, and I'm so glad that you've joined us. Absolutely. My pleasure. How are things there in Israel? They're great, as great as they can be. You know, the world is going through a process 
and an evolution right now. But I feel very blessed to be in my community and in a place that feels very safe right now, both internally and just in the general space that I'm in. So thank God. I feel very blessed. You and I have a little bit of a similar narrative. I used to own two nightclubs. You used to be in a rock band. And the destiny changed us into a completely different direction. Yeah, thank God. is that amazing? What inspired you to make the decision to leave a popular developing rock band and learn more about spirituality and consciousness? What was the yearning that you were feeling? You know, it's interesting. For me, I was at one of my record release parties, and somebody had come over to me. I think I was maybe 19 at the time. And they had asked, how long are you going to do this for? And I asked, how long am I going to do what for? And he said, how long are you going to play music for? And I thought that was such a strange question to ask a musician. I kind of feel like that's part of who I am, not just what I do. And he really pushed until I said, I don't know, we'll probably play and sing and do what we're doing until we're you know, successful, and then we'll settle down. And he said, when's that? And I asked him, when's what? He said, when is successful? I basically told him to grab another beer and leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) But the question burned in me like a fever. And I woke up with it the next morning. I'd never thought about anything beyond just my essential passion to sing and to play and to write. And I never thought that there was anything more to just living, the unfolding of whatever felt right in the moment. I never thought about what a successful life looked like. And it sent me on a journey to figure out what was on the other side of that question. And what is? Have you found it? So it's funny. I think in a lot of ways I'm back where I started, but with a lot more clarity. Mm -hmm. I do believe that when you live your life as the unfolding of what your soul does need to sing, you are living life the right way. But when it's done without the context of the journey that life is, then we can find ourselves going down paths that lead us away from who we are instead of closer to our source and closer to our destiny. It's funny because in a very beautiful nature of life, cyclical way, I resonate deeply with what I was doing when I started, and I still feel (laughs) that I continue to do that. But you have to listen to your voice and follow that direction. And sometimes the direction takes you away for some time from what you were doing. And then maybe you come back to it in another form, in uh, incarnation, in the same life. Yeah, I feel for me, I'm learning to refine what I've often loved or had passion for. So if it's socializing and bringing people together to be happy, yet at the nightclub it was a different setting, but now in the ashram it's different. So I still bring people together. Everybody gets intoxicated with wisdom company, food, and I'm still doing what I used to do, but in a different setting, in a different way. I'm curious, Moshe, was there any point in your childhood that you believe allowed your life to unfold the way that it has? Yes. You know, for me, I feel very blessed. I was raised by parents who were very spiritually aligned. My mother herself is, has been, my assumption is, will be a seeker her whole life, a seeker, a finder, a channeler, someone who lived in deep communion with God, with the universe, with what life is truly all about. And so having that as my base, 
I don't know if it's an exact moment in my childhood, but the fact that I was coming from a, a spiritual-minded place, even when I was doing everything else, right, whether that was working through high school or deciding to go and pursue life as a pop rock star or whatever it was, but the underlying themes in my life were always one of goodness, one of love, one of community, one of connection, and that was maybe the most fundamental gift in my life, the parents that I was chosen to be guided by as a child. I think that led to my ability to inquire deeper into what my life is about. Well, good for you. Congratulations on that. You've got a new book out. It's all the same to me. I heard what Deepak said about it. He loves it. But can you tell our listeners about the book and the meaning of the title? I mean, is everything truly the same? I have a saying that I share a lot, Moshe. We might be here to love each other the same. And it's like, love everybody the same. And I do that so I can break my attachments and my familiarities where I like this one more than I love this one because that creates that dualistic thinking in my head. So one of my Mm -hmm. things is, let me practice if I can love everybody the same and see how neutral and how fair and just I will approach my relationships. So I was very curious about the title, It's All the Same to Me. Could you give us some insights into it? Sure. Well, first and foremost, I love that. I love the idea of the practice of loving everyone the same. I think that that's probably, if we're going to choose out one, an action that comes out of the book, I think that that's there. The book itself, for me, emerged through the pandemic, meaning it was 15 years of study and practice and work before I wrote the book. But I think what pushed me into making this part of my teaching accessible to others in a more global way was I think that that's what the world, to me, felt like it was ready for more of this, more peace, more love, more connection. And when I say that things are all the same, so obviously I don't mean on the surface, because when you look at the surface, it's actually the opposite. Nothing is the same to me, right? At least if we're being honest on the surface, things are different. We are two different human beings, and there are different nationalities and races, and there are different opinions on life, and there are different trees, and there are different animals, and no two cars are the same, and even the things that look the same, there's no two things that are exactly the same. We actually live in a world of bifurcation and separateness, and the journey of life is to look beyond what we see with our eyes and focus more about how we see what we see with our eyes to understand and to lean into the fact that the love that exists within creation, that the soul of the world, that's the same. There's a verse in Psalms that says, I am God unchanging. And to me, the way that we understand this is that although everything in the world is constantly changing, from the moment that this conversation started until now, our bodies aren't even the same bodies we walked into this conversation with. However, the God aspect, the universal aspect, the spiritual nature that exists within us and within all people and all things is unchanging. And it's a loving space. It's a space of deep connection, of tranquility, of security. And when we can learn to look beyond the surface and connect to the soul of other people and the soul of things and animals and events, truly... It's all the same. Right. 
it is. And no matter how much we try to break it down and make it our own, we do end up the same. We end up with just very similar feelings and needs and wants. Consciousness as a language has been out there for a long time, Moshe, and we are finding it's coming up now more than ever. I mean, 200 years ago, you wouldn't be sitting there on the porch having a conversation about consciousness, you know. I would say now it's just really, really big. Consciousness, self-help, authenticity, spirituality. This is the language now. And sometimes we find it hard to decode what they actually mean. What's your thought about consciousness? What does consciousness look like or feel like to you? First, I agree with you that a couple hundred years ago, we probably wouldn't be having a phone call about anything, let alone consciousness. And it's such a beautiful time like such an amazing time to live. I know that there's some widespread pessimism in the world today based on a plethora of things, but somebody recently asked me what is there to be positive about or to be happy about, and my sincerest response is, what is there not to be positive about and happy about in the generation we live in? Would you choose to live in any other time? Would you choose to live 100 years ago? 200 years ago, 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago. Maybe you want to have a sneak peek into what life was like back then. We live in such a blessed generation, and we're far from perfect, but we're moving much closer. I think it's a very special time, and part of that is the awakening of societies and cultures, and consciousness is certainly the language of our time and continues to be, and God willing, will continue to be. For me... In Kabbalah, there are two types of consciousness. I mean, there's many, more or less infinite, but when we discuss it, there's something called Das Tachton and Das Elyon, which translates into a basic consciousness and then a more elevated, lofty consciousness. And the way I experience it and the way I understand it, basic consciousness is your capacity to just feel into life and to be totally aware of the sounds and the sights, aware of the senses, aware of what's going on within your mind, within your heart, within your body. And and there's a certain sensitivity and certain openness to how one can and should react in situations that comes from a place of deep stillness. And then there's an even higher consciousness, which is really being aware of the subtle undertones of energy and guidance and connection to the infiniteness, that kind of what I was describing earlier, the sameness, the oneness, the kind of the inner love, what we've been calling God for millennia, however you're relating to an even deeper space. So that's a more elevated consciousness, but it's the doorway into all the deepest recesses of the mind and of the universe really begins with, can you hear yourself? Can you be aware of your inner space? Which is something I think we don't do much. We don't listen to ourselves because we're always so distracted in the external world. And we don't hear what the soul is really, really calling the soul to become or to be in that moment. In your book, you talk a lot about experiencing love and peace, and we all believe this is the way to be. But many people today, they're experiencing a high level of fear and anxiety. What are some of the ways that we can try to 
navigate that emotion and get to some kind of a inner stillness. Yeah, I think you're right. Now more than ever, at least in my lifetime, you know, maybe the closest thing to it was around 9-11. But in general, even when it's not in the times of a pandemic, she really is the underlying kind of block, the wall from experiencing consciousness the way that I experience it personally and as well as the way that I've understood it from all the teachings that I've learned. You know, I remember for myself different points along the way where I kind of saw the wall of fear fade away. And there are so many different practices. If I was speaking to somebody and we only had a few minutes together, I would go as basic as humanly possible and say it all begins with gratitude. Because what is gratitude? See, gratitude is consciousness. That really is what it is. Gratitude is when instead of putting our focus on that which is missing or that which may become missing, right, the impending loss, which is fear, if you focus on what's there, what has been there, and ultimately what will be there, right, and you can put your mind on the good that's been in your life and that continues to be in your life. Sometimes it's so hard. You've got a hundred things going right, and that one catastrophic moment has you surrendering it. You know, in the U.S., sometimes we get the news and the messaging in Israel, this is happening, and they're attacking people on a particular other side of the border. And then it starts to create in us an impression that what is happening there is wrong. And I know that there's much more to the story than that. In other words, we don't apply our discernment. We don't look at the picture in a bigger way to find meaning. And it always beseeches me that you can have a hundred things going great. But one thing that you do that just seemed like at a lower vibration, that's what everybody talks about and that's what everybody goes into. And we do that to ourselves. Like sometimes that one thing isn't going right and then we totally delete or deny everything else that's going on good. Can you share with me a time where maybe you found that you were in that place, if ever? And what did you do to get out of it? Because... I find that it has distracted us a lot from really enjoying life and living with more love and more peace and consciousness. Instead, we end up living with what's broken, what's traumatic. You did this to me. I'll never forgive you. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And that's the trick of the world, right? That's the illusion. The illusion is sometimes it's just the one thorn in the side that makes us forget about the rest of the body. And we can say it's a problem or that it's unfortunate, but I think that that is life. Life is the ability to look at those small incidences. You know, for me, I live in Orthodox community in Jerusalem, and it's hard for me when I see people act in ways of a lower vibration and something like that makes the news. And I'm aware of the 99.5% or 99.9% of goodness and love, kindness that exists within that same community. But all it takes is one person to throw you for a spin, and you know that that's the thing that's circulating. You know, they're not putting in the news, right, outside of the Good News Network and maybe some people like yourself and others who are coming to put forth positivity and love and shine light on that. 
it's almost like it, it won't make the news unless it's essentially bad news, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. draw eyes. For me personally, I see it as an opportunity when we see things that are going wrong, when we see something that looks like, man, this is ruining my day. It's an opportunity to stop and realize, wow, I'm letting the small thing ruin my day. And by the way, if it's a big thing, you know, you mentioned it being sometimes a catastrophic piece of news or a tragedy, God forbid, I don't think that the work in that moment is gratitude. I think it's surrender. Mm. It's a different work. Tell me more about that. Why surrender? Because for me, surrender, I always feel like I end up with love. I just end up in a place of love when I surrender. And it's powerful, but at times can be that stage where I don't know what else to do. I'm done. I give up here. And every time you go into that place, for me, I find love. Is that what the situation was trying to teach me? That I just needed to love the way through this? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, even in the language that you use, I like to think of surrender not as giving up. Maybe that's how Mm -hmm. we feel in the beginning, but really it's more like giving over our sense of control, giving over our need for things to be a certain way, basically letting go of the ego. Like in Hasidus, it uses the language of bittel, which means to nullify, not to nullify the self, but to let go of kind of this ego-driven desire to control a situation or know what is happening at any given point or the feeling that things should be different, which is a denial of presence. And it's the denial of there being any sort of guidance in life. Like it's a denying a plan, denying something divine. And in that sense, that's where the pain is. And so like you said, when you let go of all of that, when you let go of the ego and you let go of a small way of thinking, all that's left is the divine, the plan, is the greater vision. And that's all love. That is all love. Mm. That's what you find when you let go of the smallness. Right. And I think love is really the cure. That's really what we're trying to return to, and that's why we're going through so much. Many people talk about, especially now, a search for purpose. Would you say that you have found yours, and how would you explain why you're here on the planet. I mean, I know you've mentioned it already, but in terms of just this whole thing of purpose, have you found yours, and what would you say that can help us to recognize that we actually have found our purpose? What are some of the signs? Sure. I really appreciate your question. I think the question is very good in that it points to a fundamental aspect of our lives, meaning... The idea that we search for our purpose, that is part of our purpose. That is part of what we're doing here. For me personally, I can say that as you stop needing to search, you start knowing you're there. It's almost like a contradiction in terms, but that's the reality. It's almost like you start experiencing more joy when you stop looking for happiness because it's not something that's away from you. It's something inside of you. Now, that's very philosophical, and if we're going to be a little more practical for the listeners, you know that you're at least moving in the direction of your purpose. Purpose is an evolution. It's an evolving thing. It's not like you're there and it's over. Listening to your calling can have you moving in one direction for seven years, and then in an instant it can move you, and now you're going in a totally different place. And that's also part of your purpose. It's not a place you arrive to, but a place you're always moving within. It's almost like it's a bubble that you live within as you're moving in the direction of 
where your soul is bringing you towards. So if you're an artist, you're called to paint. And if you like numbers, maybe you're called to accounting. That's not your purpose, but that's what you have to do along the way. That's part of the journey. So for me, I remember very vividly years trying to figure out where am I supposed to end up? Where am I supposed to be? Like, am I supposed to be a rabbi? Am I supposed to be a teacher? Am I supposed to go back and be a singer again? Should I go work in the market? Like, should I just be a teller and meditate in the meantime? And I remember going through all those feelings and emotions, and it was almost like one day when I felt ready to let go of a need to be any specific place and be open to listening to the guidance within, to stop caring about what family, friends, or mentors may think about what I'm doing, and just really deeply listen. What does my soul want to do? What is in alignment with my values? What makes me happy and at the same time creates a contribution to the world that I'm in? When you have those things working together, that you find joy in what you're doing, what you're doing is a contribution, and you've been given certain gifts or talents or abilities, if you can find that triad working together, you know that you're in a good place and you're living in conscious communion with whatever your purpose is. And those things may change and you may shift along the way. But that's kind of like, for me, I think underlying my decisions, how I've made the decisions to be in this direction that I'm in, those have always been present. I love that. Great advice. So tell us now as we move towards the end of our wonderful conversation, anything in front of you right now that you are doing, any online events or programs, any virtual book signings? You know, I'm doing a lot of different conversations like this. With you, this has been such a pleasure and such a privilege. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for having me on. So people can watch out for all the different events that are coming up at the different social media pages, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube. And beyond that, I spent the last year and a half working very heavily on the release of this book. And I'm actually taking the next month or two to meditate and pray and go deeply into myself. And I'll be doing some events here and there, but I think things will really set up again in about two months. Oh, beautiful. Glad to hear that. So congratulations on the book again, and thank you so much for joining us today. And anytime, feel free to come back on, and I'll definitely like to have another conversation with you in the future. So many good wishes. Amen. You too. It would be my pleasure. Looking forward. Okay. All right. All the best. Take care. Take care. That was Moshe Gerst, and for more information, go to his website, M-O-S-H-E-G-E-R-S-H-T.com. Let him know that you heard about him on America Meditating Radio. Thank you for joining us today, and please remember to just keep your vibrations on the high watch. Whatever it is, don't let those negative thought patterns come to sabotage your destiny and your future. Just keep listening to your higher self. That's the effort, and that's what we're here to do. So remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we really are here to love each other the same. Let's end with Sanatam Kaur, Ek Omkar. Take care, everyone. Be well.
I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.